Hello, everyone, and welcome to the M&M Podcast, episode number 17. I am Michael Gallagher from the Center for Research and Digital Education at the University of Edinburgh. And I'm Miles Blaney, and I'm uh, working in digital learning applications and learning, teaching, web, uh, and information services at University of Edinburgh. Big title. Whoa. And we're joined by a very special guest star. <laughs> oh, thanks for Star? <laughs> Yes. So, hi, uh, my name is John Jack. I'm a learning technology team manager in educational design and engagement, which is um, part of learning, teaching, and web. Excellent. And John's very pivotal in what's going on at the university right now around learning design and getting everything ready ahead of uh, the next academic year. Don't talk me up too much, Michael. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> pressure. It's a lot of pressure on your shoulders right now. That, that's right. We have to big up the episode somehow. <laughs> um. So, everybody okay? Everybody's doing well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's 1st of July today, isn't it? Yeah. That's correct. Um, we're all outside at the beach. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's so hot here uh, in the rain and the grayness and yep. the, the misery. So, yeah. Um, proper um, school summer holiday weather has arrived. That's yeah. correct. So just, just as we're able to get outside, the uh, terrible weather comes back. I, That's right. So, yeah, what about like Miles? You had put this as a point we can talk about. What point of lockdown are we at right now? I stopped paying attention. So, we're, I think Scotland, we're phase, phase two. So, that, that means um, it means there's like, uh, for me anyway, it means that there's shops or certain, uh, certain kind of shops are open on street premises. Um, so, you can go to the shops now, you can get takeaway coffee now. Um, big thing is McDonald's opened a few weeks ago. Wow, that was massive Ooh. in my household. Um, um, so, and they're starting to. I think uh, people are starting to ebb slowly back to routines and the way things were before. Um, I think the big news in the last few weeks is about schools. Um, so, yeah, what is that news? So schools are being told that they are going back um, full time from August the eleventh. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, we had we had within the space of three days we had a message saying schools will be open one day a week, and then it went to by the end of the week it was five days. It's yeah, hmm. but I guess it's an ever changing situation. Yeah, and I, we had exactly the same, and we actually had a meeting with the um, the secondary school that Hayden's going to, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, we had this all planned to talk about your kids coming in one day a week," and now this morning. Because the announcement, we've had to completely change that, and then we got the letter the next day saying, "Yeah, they're they're back in full time." And the list of things they've got to do is is a bit crazy. But um, mm. I think it will be like I don't know where your kids are, John, but my kids um, for school is, it's been really difficult doing homeschooling. But I think they need that social contact. Plus, yeah. you know, it, it's it's been interesting seeing the quality of. It's very difficult for primary schools to. Did Sonny jump online and teach things that they're just, you know, it's very difficult. Of course, being educational specialists, uh, homeschooling in this house has just been, you know, second. Seamless. Oh, absolutely. My my partner's been doing most of it. (laughs) Can I take the credit? My my kids are alive. That's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a high bar. That is is it for me. (laughs) It's a fraction. (laughs) So, so I guess where we're really at is kind of similar in some ways to the university recap, which is interesting because I think the schools are probably farther ahead in opening things up than the university would ever be at this point. 
Yeah, and that's it. So I think the the I think they've been told that their research labs can be prepped to be open. That's um, right. But except for that, and I know I know this week that they've started to open up for time slots where you can actually go into the office to pick up some of you know um, anything to pick up from your desk. So like uh, your chair or your laptop or some notes or books. But I think that is it. You you know mm. the office space still is closed. Um, so but, talk with the library, there's talk of library spaces opening or being oh, wow. prepped, but I don't know in what capacity or. Yeah, I've heard in, in different instances where they're reconverting space that wasn't necessarily teaching space and trying to make it into teaching space, and we're doing that in Morehouse as well. I think we're prioritizing. Um, you know, programs and teaching activity that is very uh, uh, unique, you know, like labs, mm. uh, you know, anything that requires specialist software, yep. uh, something we can't distribute to the students at home, you know, these sorts of things. So that's getting all the priority, I believe. Yeah. And I suspect, you know, the face-to-face bit of the, of the quote unquote, like normal teaching will, will be much later down the pike. Mm. But we'll see. We don't know, which is really the reason, you know, we wanted to have this conversation with John, because I think, uh, the what you do is actually really, really critical for the fact that we may or may not be anywhere near campus come September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's around learning design. So, John, can you tell us a, a little bit about what you do? Okay. <laughs> it's a little bit off the cuff. That wasn't on the questions <laughs> we provided. But so, like, what what is learning design? What What is your role, really? You're not going to ask me about hybrid, are you? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I guess... Learning does, we, and we have two flavors of learning design at Edinburgh. We have our long-standing Elder Learning Design Workshops, which stands for Edinburgh Learning Design Roadmap. Um, so that was a two-day face-to-face workshop. It's intensive. Uh, people would have got together in a room, um, and we kind of, yeah, we lock them in a room for two days in effect, away from uh, desks, away from their offices, uh, no laptops allowed. Uh, it was very, very analog, you know, bits of paper, post-it notes, drawn on walls. Um, and, it, yeah, it was very uh, values-based. You know, we, we start with kind of what are your core values? That's the first activity. So I teach because I believe in, you know, kind of high-level holistic. And it, it, it's quite, quite a strange one because I guess, you know, if you were looking at kind of streamlining the process where some people have taken Elder and kind of adapted it, to their own uh, learning design, that looks like the one that you would you would chop out. But when we evaluated the elder process, that is the one that that people value the most. You know, it's not the the, the kind of um, uh, the kind of sections of the workshop that are more straightforward. You know, like what are your learning outcomes? Uh, let's do the storyboard for courses. How many credits? It was the more holistic kind of values based things that people seem to value after the event. Um, yeah, so we have so we have that. So we have the two day elder. It can be program and course level. Um, seen a lot of interest in program level over the past um, year, um, and actually we just ran our first uh, remote elder uh, last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we converted a two day face to face into a three day longish, longer and thinner uh, remote session. So using a mixture of um, synchronous and asynchronous. And I think, Michael, you'll know a lot of what we were doing because you were involved in the initial uh, pilot thinking of how, well, first, can we do this remotely? And when we all decided, yes, we can, how do we do it? Um, 
So it, John, it worked surprisingly well. Sorry. Yes. So no, sorry. That's an interesting point about the program level one. You said you've had a lot more of those over the last year. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the last eighteen months, it's been predominant. You know, it's been really. Yeah, it's generally been all program level, either a new program or a rethinking of an existing program. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah. Like, is it a, is it a rethink in some cases? It's, like people want to come together and get like an ethos around the program and relay it out. In a yeah, it could, or or they would come with a, a notional problem or a or a restructure. Maybe the program has declining numbers, or there's a consolidation. It's an old program that needs to be merged with this oh, program. And um, yeah, so that has been our the demand has been there, but bizarrely. The next one teed up is our first course level um, elder that we've, we've not done one for quite a long time. And that one we've not really mapped through on how we're going to do it remotely. Um, Interesting. But, I, 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 you know, I, I believe that it can be done. So, Is this a course level elder to move something from face-to-face into hybrid or to redesign um, it, from, to design it from scratch? To design it from scratch. It, it's been in the pipeline for quite a while. It was due to be a face-to-face. But, of course, hybrid will will impact, you know, it has to be taken into account. And the one we did last week for the MSc in African Studies, um, you know, hybrid was in our minds, you know, in, in, in a way that kind of, in a, in a positive way, I guess, when we're talking about kind of student numbers or, you know, uh, or kind of location and distance, you know, I guess on that kind of, uh, you know, how, how do we bring in uh, people's in, in kind of remote locations and uh, maybe there's kind of that temporal distance yeah, so I think I think hybrid can be uh, m- many things. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 almost proving to be at least in the sessions I'm running, it's like a useful frame for rethinking equity, Absolutely. like you know accessibility and inclusivity and all these different things. I mean, it's really proving like almost a functional design asset. Yeah, somehow. So yeah, like you have you have to reconsider your teaching practices from scratch. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I like when I think, yeah, I think I guess you know we when we're designing new things, we should be designing with this kind of mixed mode or can we switch to this and can we switch to that? You know, uh, yeah, because I guess, well, we're still not back on campus and when we do, how, how long will we be back for? Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's a good question. I think we're, we're sort of expecting to go back and forth, back and forth, you know, yeah, on campus, yeah. off campus and having some agility there. But so obviously a lot of this has changed post-pandemic, but, you know, you've gone online. But has anything else changed in in the way you're approaching design at all? Like, um, yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I think our main our main issue with the the program level elder anyway was the the storyboard. So we would draw on the big white wall in um, the IED resource room, and we would map out so the three years of your program, and we draw boxes kind of along the 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 temporal axis, so along the kind of you know September October who's teaching it when, and we're really worried about how we would replicate that. Um, so we created a, an empty Padlet, and, um, yeah, people can kind of do the same things. And actually, the digital – we always gave people a digital output from the Elder Learning Design Workshop, but what that would involve would be us transcribing all the kind of bits of papers and Post-it notes into a Word document. But actually, in this way, we're recording digitally, so we've made things easier for ourselves. And actually, the notes that – the the, the attendees have been taken and the kind of engagement that they're using in the kind of the um the one note notebook that we've created for them is i would say it's it's far richer than we've seen in the face-to-face and actually so this now if and when we do go back to face-to-face i think the the remote is going to shape how we do the face-to-face if that makes sense interesting yeah yeah it's really like i mean i can't i think i think with the elder we always wonder like oh did we get lucky 
you know, that workshop was so good. Did, did we just get lucky this time? And we say this over and over. And again, with this one, it just it worked, it worked so well. Um, you know, the, that kind of mix of introducing the the activities. So we'd introduce, a, okay, this is the activity. We would then give them a bit longer than we normally would to complete the steps within the activity to allow for your doorbell ringing or, you know, dealing with kids. So if you got 40 minutes to do the activity in the face-to-face, we would allow an hour and a half and then we would reconvene, you know, and we wouldn't expect them to spend an hour and a half doing that. We just give them the flexibility to kind of step away from the the keyboard. Sure. Um, sure. So yeah, I think it, it's been yeah, it's been quite an experience. That's really interesting. I find I find that too in some of the design sessions, people are uh, explicitly putting in away time, like yeah, uh, off screen time. Yeah, you, you know, they're putting little blocks of time in there where you are like you say, like you generally this would take half hour to complete, but we're going to give you an hour. Mm. Do it any way you want. Yeah, you should take a walk or I guess I, I worried that the because I guess we have people in a team's room and then we leave the room like, OK, we're going to leave you now. You can keep talking. My worry that is our we envisaged a long and thin elder and that, that people just stay on task all the time. Um, but but they don't. You know, we can check the live document so we can see when people are typing. You know, it's like that kind of, you can look at the shared document and you can go into the, back into the Teams room, but it feels a bit weird. It feels a bit like eavesdropping, you know, once you've kind of left it and then dropped back in. And, and in some ways it feels slightly disruptive, whereas in the face-to-face, you could kind of hover over and be like, oh, how's it going? I think with the, with the, teams or the the synchronous video it's pretty apparent when someone pops in so your face will pop up and kind of yeah yeah but I, I've had a, yeah maybe it's just a bit weird maybe it's maybe it's not bad it's just different and we're not used to yeah, and see, yeah i've had a few of those too and see out of interest john as well like see like um you know opinions before people attend these workshops and opinions after from people attending it you know what is it what's the kind of feedback before and after uh the the well, even the face-to-face one, the, the before and after, whenever people come and say, oh, I've heard about Elder, I want learning design workshop, and we go back and say, well, it's this and that, it's two days, and almost everyone says, that's far too much time, we can't possibly do that. And then we say, okay, well, that's <laughs> it is two days. So then they go back and they say, okay, we've decided we'll try it. And then the feedback after the event is, we want another one, or it could, or it could have been longer. Um so yeah, I think it, it it's quite a strange one. It does it does seem quite um, I don't know to luxurious or you know, to spend two days focusing on a task, but it's important, you know. And I guess it's very rare where programs and groups of teaching staff get to get together to focus solely on their program or their course. I just I just want to say as well, I love the way that you say that it's locked down for two days. So I wonder, yeah. um, I wonder if the governments around the world looked at Elder and went, you know, we had lockdown. I think we should do that here as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it seems to be a good model. <laughs> but uh, but see, that was uh, interesting too. Look, a little bit just picking up on that, and it is the is what, what you were saying, um, John, about is like having time and space and freedom. You're right. Academics do not have the headspace, no. or the time, or the even the luxury of just dedicated, blocked off space to think about a course or a program or how any of this makes sense at all. Yeah. So we have, you're, we have, you're creating them a service, you know, you're creating that space for them. Yeah, And I, I guess that is another, you know, if you look, our evaluation um, highlights that, you know, we had, I've seen programs where it's a co-taught program across multiple schools or institutes 
where the program leads had, hadn't met. Okay, they'd exchanged emails, but they hadn't, you know, and, and they'd been working together for two or three years. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm. Sorry, Miles, were you about to? Yeah, because, you know, for, for somebody that doesn't understand how courses are, are, are done or designed prior to anything like that, they're coming along. So, you know, what do you find that courses are just usually created and, and left alone or programs are just designed and left alone? Yeah, I think they're, um, I think often they're, they're either they're inherited or they're created at some point and then somebody leaves and then somebody inherits the course and then tweaks it. And I guess problems creep in that, you know, at the point where the course was created, you would have defined the learning outcomes for the course. And then someone inherits it and comes in and said, well, I'm not really an expert on, I don't know. Japanese tea houses so I'm going to change this to American coffee shops but the learning outcomes still define that we're going to be assessing against Japanese tea houses and yeah so on on and on it goes it just kind of creeps and then you end up with these kind of disparate bits like course descriptions and learning outcomes they don't really match up to what was set out and yeah it can be it can be very yeah it can be multiple issues the learning outcomes tend to be the the biggie and so, in a, in a perfect world, in a perfect scenario, then should uh, course and programs be assessed or, or reviewed annually, or or how often would you like people to kind of go through this? Kind oh, of- I think annually is probably a bit. I guess I guess a, a light touch overview annually. Mm-hmm. You know, is everything still in good shape? But then I think a, a kind of larger overhaul, maybe every, I don't know, two or three. Well, it depends. Depends on how quickly the. The content and the landscape changes, and the the how how tied is the the course to the the person that's teaching it? Okay. And often the case is like very very tied to the port to the person teaching it. Yeah. So, so you're right. As soon as you inherit those courses, you are either becoming an expert in that very very specific space, or you're changing it to your own expertise. Which is, you know, if you value research led teaching, that's ultimately kind of what you do. You know, like this is my research and I should be reflecting that in my teaching. Yep. And then I guess, I guess you come up against structural issues, you know, change, major changes. The courses are a hassle, you know, so things, that's right. changing anything, learning outcomes. That's uh, right. Assessment needs to go to board of studies and they don't run that often. And yeah. It, so if you change percentages of what the assessments are worth, for example, it was 70, 30, and now it's, you know, 65, 35, you have to send that through committee. Um, so there's any number of things that there are institutional constraints there about what you can actually yeah. change, which I think is probably why, yeah, <laughs> often why it's not, it's not worth the hassle or it's too much hassle. It's a, yeah, it's a bit of hassle. Has any of that changed in, in, um, in our, hi- in our hybrid times? I think so. I think there's been more emergency board of studies convened or, um, yeah, I think there has, I don't think it's across the board, um, yeah, which is which is part, partly to do, you know, I guess where we are now as well. Is, yeah, we can change, but we can't change a whole lot unless, you're, you know, we can't change wholesale unless it is going to go through board of studies. And yeah, that's right. It, it's, it's a tricky situation. So how about we flip over to course design itself? And that, real quickly, what so the work you're doing since you you've been doing since like March. Yep. That you know we've 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 all been doing since March largely is you know originally into that remote teaching emergency pivot thing, and now we're into this more elongated kind of okay we have to get ready for the next academic year. What kind of scale are you seeing or are you envisioning in terms of this course design process that you normally would run? So so for elder is still kind of small scale for for because they're they're so resource intensive so we have twelve per year. 
um, it doesn't really scale up in that way. Um, for for scale, we've got ABC course design workshops, which is, um, you know, this kind of came out from UCL. Um, they've been running it for uh, a few years. And actually, we've been running it ourselves for a while, but really just for MOOCs, so kind of using it as our own internal course development tool. And we have been looking about uh, looking at kind of um, uh, kind of spreading it out a bit more and then COVID hit. And so then we, yeah, we accelerated our plans to share what we do with ABC. Um, so it's a rapid course design method. Um, and it's it's very it's very analog. Again, it's very paper-based. So in, in, in kind of pre-COVID, you know, you would have a, a big, large A0 storyboard with a grid that would represent your weeks or your topics. And then you'd have these six colored cards um, which are like acquisition, discussion, collaboration, practice, uh, so the production. Is that six? Probably missing one. Investigation. Investigation. Yeah. Um, and and I guess so. The, each of these cards are those color cards are based on Diana Lorillard's conversational framework. With um, you know her, her research saying that that most student interactions can map or fall under each of these. Uh, colored cards and I guess what we're aiming to do is then we, we, we work with the teaching staff to then map out how uh, the certain parts of a course could be you know so if it was like a, a simple flipped learning example we would have a an acquisition card that says read this paper before uh, view this 10 minute another card that would say view this video then a discussion card that would say okay go into the discussion forums and um, discuss with your peers then maybe and watch Another video, which would be another acquisition card, and what we're looking for is those kind of those colored patterns developing. It's really easy to spot when something is really didactic, or you know, if it's just a stream of acquisitions, if it's just lecture, lecture, lecture. It's really easy to spot that with these colored cards, or even the lecture seminar, lecture seminar, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but it's really, yeah, you can really see where a, a course is not diverse in its kind of uh, educational patterns in a way. Um, so I guess what we do is we, we build these patterns and we're not looking to pattern up the entire course, just bits of it. So if you've created that uh, week one icebreaker uh, flipped learning pattern, like, oh, that's quite nice. You know, I can then reuse that in week three and uh, week five. Um, but again, it's still, this is quite time intensive. It's okay. It's not a two day elder, but it's still, it's a two hour workshop with almost a one to one mapping or you know a, a facilitator i don't know one to three maybe um still not scalable in that way um so for, not, not not for the scale of what we're trying to do and no absolutely yeah in like in yeah in normal times it could scale um and and we have like i mean we've done train the trainer sessions and um i think we now have 67 people have um taken the train the trainer so how to run their own abc workshop so pre-covid you know, it was a handful of people. You know, I could probably, Michael, I think you've been one of them. You'd played around with it. Um, yeah, there was a few people dotted around the institution that know what it, knew where it was and was using it. Um, so, yeah, within, I think we ran seven workshops in four, uh, four workshops in seven days, um, and that got us 67 attendees. Uh, but still doesn't give us a scale. So for that scale, we, we thought about these micro patterns so that flipped learning example that I was talking about earlier, you know, we've created these. Um, so you don't you don't have to rethink this. You know, we've kind of done them. Of course, we can't pattern everything, um, but we've created a, a set of patterns. So for for a lecture, we've got like three or four example patterns that you could use. Same with seminar, um, same with a lab. And the more 
niche they become, the less patterns we have. But we've got about a dozen patterns that can be either looked at and taken as is, um, or you can take the pattern and tweak it. And also what we've done is we've, we've realized those patterns in Learn, so in the VLE. So that flipped learning micro pattern with the colored cards, we've mapped it to the tools that you would use. So it would be Media Hopper Create, then go into the discussion forum. So if you wanted to take these micro patterns and use as is, you would just go into the, the uh, macro micro pattern course and copy that into your um, your course. Sorry, I've, yeah, it's very, I've been talking nonstop for. No, that's good. No, it's great stuff. Yeah, that's so that, that I actually had the first design session uh, just the other day where the person was able to had come to the, the session prepared to identify which micro patterns they thought were most applicable, and they mapped it out week by week. So, it, they, like week week one, I'll take this one. Week two, I'll take this one. And so it was really just a matter of copying and pasting those in to their learn instance. Yeah, we intend, like, I mean, we, we, the, the patterns were designed, we had a mini project, well, I don't want to call it a project, I guess, like a mini team. And we had uh, learning technologists from each college. Um, we tried to make the patterns as kind of discipline agnostic as possible um, so that they could then be plugged in. We didn't want things that said, okay, you know, in the school of law, we, do, we didn't want the, the humanities patterns to put off the science. And actually, when we looked at them, a lot of them, they, they work across disciplines. People will probably disagree with it, but yeah, when you can abstract them a bit, they're they're much the same. Um, and yeah, so they, they've been they've been created and worked through with really experienced learning technologists. We've tested them, we've run them by yourself, Michael, and your team. And yeah, I think I think they're good. They seem solid, and I, you know, and I guess if people use them, or even if people look at them and then make the conscious decision not to use them, then that that is fine. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. So what we've, John, we sort of, you know, worked with, yeah, the micro patterns have been extraordinarily useful for framing sequences of activity. I, I almost explain them to people as like, think of this almost like a weekly block of activity, right? So it's just your week and sort of mapped out for you. And you can drag that into learn and, and there you go. You just fill in the details and you're ready. You have that week done. Yep. Uh, but I've, we've used them a little bit. Interest, inter, we have about, you know, 12, 15, 20 of these ABCs either done or scheduled uh, in the next week, couple of weeks or so. And we've been using this as a sort of like a pre-kit. Like we send the micro patterns along with some some reflective questions as homework before the ABC. Okay, yeah. If you know what I mean. So we, yeah. we're, not, we're not flipping it per se. We're just saying, this is what we'd eventually get to anyways, right? So I, take a look real quick. Yeah. See, see if this is applicable. If it's not, you're prepared to come to us with an, an alternative, right? So I, then I, we can stack your cards. I just, I just want to say, I just have, I wrote that down. I was like, because ah, you can look at them and get them to reflect on it, and then it makes them start. It gets the wheels turning, doesn't it? Absolutely, so that, yeah. Even if somebody looks at it and then doesn't create another pattern, and hopefully something when they get into learn or whatever they're doing their course and be like, oh yeah, I remember that, and it could mm. be, you know, could be realized in this way. I, I'd be surprised that the more ABC sessions you do, the more the patterns look look similar. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would be surprised if. If people come up with completely unique patterns, you know, also think that some some people might only ever see their own course, so they don't actually ever see insight into how other courses could be constructed. Yeah, by micro patterns. So yeah. maybe, and this is another great way of saying, well, here's how you could do it, and that I think that's because 
I'm sure there are some people that just work in one course. That's it. Maybe there's not. Maybe I'm talking about rubbish. But I think it'd be really no, good. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I would say too is that it does two things, right? So it it shows you what other people, what you could conceivably do that's different from what you're currently doing. And it also sort of levels you a bit and says, okay, I'm not that special. <laughs> what, what I've been, what I have been doing is, is certainly captured in one of these micro patterns, right? Yeah. yeah or so, like with a bit of tweaking. Yeah. It's, with a bit of tweaking. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's not that you're not that revolutionary in the way you're teaching or, or you're not that far off what, what could be considered a good model. Mm. So it has a, they're, they're very, very useful. We're, we're, I mean, some of the tweaks that we're envisioning in, in Morehouse specifically, because we have, we have a lot of outdoor education programs and things like that is using the outdoors as campus space, as teaching space. Mm. So incorporating outdoor education activities in lieu of face-to-face classroom activities. And we're still working through what those details might be, but it, it wouldn't be tweaking a, a complete micro pattern or redoing a complete micro. It would just be adding uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or substituting certain activities yeah, within I that. Guess the, the pattern would, in effect, the pattern should be the same. I guess it's just the the, the spatially where it is. You know, I guess mm. the pedagogy is still the same. It's just you're changing a route. Oh, well, it will be slightly different. You're going to be down Hollywood Park with a megaphone and... <laughs> yes, of course. That's what, that's what I do normally. Yeah. It's uh, In so, the rain. In the rain, of course. That's what I do. Uh, Just, so there was a question. I was like what's let me just throw like a like a devil's advocate kind of question here wouldn't it be easier just to have everybody just go do it themselves and and have all the course organizers just say go go design your course and learn as best you're able most of you have access to learn and you've had it for quite some time what does the the course design method give us as a university well i guess i guess it's given you these well thought through micro patterns and macro patterns that have been developed with a, a kind of institutional team, very experienced technical and pedagogical experts. Um, yeah, they're, I think they're, they're solid. They work. They're easy to make your own. Um, yeah, I guess I would like, well, why would you want to do it all yourself? Done so much for you. Oh wow! He threw he threw the question back at me. Like it. <laughs> but it's, it's well done. Some kind of consistency as well. People are adopting these micro patterns across courses. There yep. is some kind of consistency adopted as well. So for the the user's experience as well, it can yeah. It can like I mean, I think there, there you know there's there's obviously there's constraints to what. It, it, it's inevitable that there would be patterns anyway, because you know many of us use the same teaching spaces, the same tools, and I guess when you put those constraints into play, then you know it will enforce a certain method or pattern. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, so. And I get you know we're really keen on when people use them and if people use them, if they make them kind of subject or um, discipline specific you know, or change the context, really want to hear how people have used them and what they've done with them and actually what ones we've missed, you know, like, oh, I can't believe you didn't put micro pattern five in for lectures. You know, if there's something that we, we missed, we'll then do another round and go back out. I guess we're just seeing this as the beginning of it. Um, yeah. yeah. And would this okay. like be an annual thing again or how often would you want to review these kind of patterns? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I guess, it would, yeah, it probably would be. Like, I mean, I think the review possibly over the, the academic year with a new release year by year. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. It's, you know, just as a quick little bit at the end, you know what I've I've noticed what they do as well, the micro patterns and the, the ABC 
uh, course design session, it, it, it really, really gives, it, it eliminates a, a layer of unknowns. Uh, if you have like a faculty approaching teaching online or in hybrid models, uh, uh, like suddenly, so there, there's two unknowns there, right? So it's un- unknown about what I'm, uh, how I'm going to teach. Mm. And then it's uh, like an unknown around where I'm going to be teaching it. So I think the ABC really covers the one uh, really well and in a very accessible way, right? It says, okay, I know at least what I'm going to be teaching or how I'm going to, I don't necessarily know which tools or technologies it's going to be taught in. And I'll have to develop some capacity in those technologies, but it really eliminates that one unknown in a hurry, in a very visual, accessible way. Yeah. And I, and I get, I guess like, I think it's a good point on tools and technical, you know, it's the cards are not, they don't highlight tools, you know, prop methods. Okay. It could be like a discussion card, a blue discussion card. And then on the back, you know, it has some examples with loads of space for your own examples. You know, it would include things like a discussion forum. Um, you know, it could be a blog, uh, face-to-face discussion, you know, and I guess there's lots of space, you know, we don't push people into, into kind of technical solutions. I guess if some people are happy with one technical approach, then, then that that's fine. You know, it's, and actually, and I guess that, that, I find when I do an ABC that kind of barrier to entry with somebody jumping in to kind of help contribute to the course is low because it's just it's a, a piece of colored card and it's really easy to place it down and pick it back up without writing anything. Whereas in, in any other situation when you're discussing course design, everything feels so high stakes. Um, yeah, that's true. I think well, it, as soon as something goes on paper, it becomes permanent somehow absolutely. becomes a thing and then gets circulated around. that's right and I think as we've discovered yes i think as soon as you mentioned technology and tools as well people will start going into their shell if they're not familiar or unsure or absolutely and, and then you get people who who will who might overknow it and you know mm-hmm. might think they could do this or that so it's technology can be a bit of a it's a, it's a hindrance there, right? It's it's uh, like I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's that it's, unknown. Yeah, 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 you're you're throwing too many layers of unknowns at them. So it was like, you know, in the programs I've been working with, it's like okay, there's the fear of okay, how am I redesigning this course? Okay, then there's the fear of how I do it online, mm. and then what is this hybrid thing down the road? Mm. You know, so there's like these three layers of unknown, and it takes a toll. So I think having a mechanism, you know, like ABC to just you know, demystify a little bit of that in a very accessible way is really useful. Mm. If only we could do training that way with technology, right? <laughs> Let's Ooh. build capacity through ABC with technology. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what is I mean. Some like, way. Like, but go, but go, it is, it's such a, it can be such a nightmare when you, when you, when you introduce technology into it. So it is, it's, I think it's great the way that it's just removed. So it just concentrates on the design. That's right. Yeah. 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 You know, so do you have any thoughts, uh, John, to close this out? Actually, this is really the last question, but any thoughts on if if and when we find ourselves on campus and again in some future date, uh, any of this ca- carrying with us, like the, the stuff we've done in this emergency period, you know, all the mass scaling up of ABC trainers and and then all the sessions we're running. Do you think any of this carries with us back oh, onto absolutely. campus? Absolutely. Like, I mean, I think our, so our remote elder last week, you know, the MSc in African Studies, but to well, unknown to us, we had another attendee that was calling in from um, New York, and um, he we we didn't know that he would be there or or be coming into the session and was in New York. Um, so we had everything scheduled at nine o'clock, and he was dialing in at four in the morning. Wow. But 
you know, he wow. he did it. Um, and actually, he was really apologetic on the first day for being late. And we're like, oh, no, please don't. Um, but I guess it's shown us that we can, you know, uh, spatial distance for course and program design doesn't matter. You know, so we can do this in multiple locations. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, I think I think we will keep the I think we'll keep the remote option coming. There'll be times when people would rather do it remotely. Um, so, yeah, I think. Some of it will be like, oh, why would we go back to face to face on this one? Um, but I, I think I think it will be it will be a mix, um, and certainly the, the the process and the the way that we're capturing the outputs from the workshops. I think the the remote will now shape um, the face to face, like the online has shown us that it, uh, in some ways we've been uh, working in an ineffective process. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I actually think it would be like a real boon going forward to creating like cross university courses and cross university programs shared between universities. So there's some universities that do that. Yep. You know, you have programs that are shared or courses that are shared across them. And like, you could see it being really useful for things like initiatives at Edinburgh, like Edinburgh Futures Institute, which I know, John, you fed into yep. as well. Right. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I think, yeah, I guess it's, um, yeah. Shown us that how we can kind of reduce that distance and, yeah, it's not it's not the barrier that we thought it was. That's right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, hopefully some positive things have emerged from all of this for all of us. But um, I think that's it. I think we're a little bit over time uh, for this episode. But we just really wanted to thank you, John, for taking the time. I know you are soon to be away. Uh, yep, I'll be on paternity leave soon. So, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, guessing you've been mega busy up to now as well. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been pretty hectic, as you know. All right. But so yeah, on that uh, note, thanks guys for uh, yeah, been yeah, thanks for inviting me. That's You're very great. welcome. That's yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming. So, and so I guess we'll sign off again. This is the MNN episode number seventeen. Uh, I'm Michael Gallagher. I'm Miles Blaney. I'm John Jack. Mm-hmm.